This is Hey Beautiful, the podcast where we binge and recap every episode of How I Met Your Mother, no spoilers. So suit up, grab a sandwich, and settle in. Hello, 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 Caitlin. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. How's it going, friend? Good. It's going. It's going. Yeah, it's going. <laughs> I know we kind of just dove right in and didn't like you do our usual chit chat before hitting record. So I almost asked you about some very personal things, <laughs> <laughs> but we could talk later about that. Yeah. We're here today to talk about a truly iconic episode of How I Met Your mm-hmm. Mother. And on top of an a truly iconic episode, we also have a really awesome special guest interview that is happening halfway through this episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. So much. There's a lot of stuff going on, so let's just get right into it. Um, First of all, Craig and Carter announced this week, actually it might have just been Craig, whatever, Craig Thomas, creator of How I Met Your Mother, announced... He's a creator of Thomas English Muffins. And also Thomas English Muffins. (laughs) Check our Twitter for that. Craig Thomas announced that there will be another Solids charity show. I think it's Solids, right? He says they're doing another show in New York City this, this May or June. Yay! And I have to tell you... That I messaged him to be like, how can we, ha-? like, we're happy to help. Like, we will yeah. definitely be there. Let us know what, like, what, if there's anything you need. And he said, wouldn't do it without you guys. Oh, I got to throw up. <laughs> how sweet is he? What a little Just sweet. the sweetest. I know. Uh, so we're obviously going, come hell or high yeah. water. Um, we're definitely going to do a meetup as well. I'm thinking we should play a little... Um, Cards Against Humanity, but with the Hymnium box. Oh, definitely. Right? So I'll I'll, yeah. I'll bring my edition and we can pay, play, I think it's called Hymium, Cards Against Hymium or some shit like yeah, that. Whatever. Like that. Um, so that'll be a piece of it. We'll figure out the rest later. We still don't have a firm date, but once we do, we will confirm time, date, location. It's probably going to be McGee's, let's be honest, because mm-hmm. I cannot wait for another pineapple incident. How about it? A naked man? Mm. Yeah, Caitlin was three sheets. I was. For just a minute, though, and then it was over. Yeah, I recovered. Yeah. I was like, all right. So there's that. Um, Less exciting, because it's just with us, is the February live stream that's coming up. Yeah, I know. Because we have a lot of patrons. I know. We have over 30 now. So uh, next Tuesday... February 25th at 7 o'clock p.m. is our next private Instagram live stream. You have to be a Patreon member to get access to our private live streams. Um, so go on over and sign up for that. Two bucks gets you in. Two bucks, that's Two bucks a month. That's all, that's all it takes. Speaking of this episode, a couple of cool things happening. First of all, we have 13 legendary moments from so listeners crazy. like you. And I've noticed a new trend, which I think is cool. What's that? And makes me jealous. People are binging like four, five, six, seven, eight episodes in a row and sending all the legendary moments for those episodes in a row. Like as they finish an episode, they send a legendary moment. Um, Mm -hmm. So Johnny's been doing that. I think 
Rick did that recently too. Um, and it makes me jealous because I can't really binge the show right now because we're doing this and I'll get confused because mm-hmm. mama don't have that great of a memory. I was watching Intervention <gasps> and then it just rolled right over into the next episode <clears throat> I was watching. I was like, stop, stop. I know, no. right? Because we'll give something away. Lots happening in season four. Before we get to those legendary moments, about halfway through this episode, we are going to air my interview with writer, director, filmmaker, Jessica Ellis. Um, mm-hmm. She just created and directed this incredible movie that I can't wait to see in its entirety called What Lies West. And um, it's like this cool adventure movie for girls, which you don't see a lot. No. Um, so... Um, stay tuned for that interview and obviously the entirety of the interview will be on Patreon at Ooh. some point soon. So remember only two bucks. Yeah. You get to hear that whole awesome interview. You get all of our uncut interviews. You get yeah. live streams with us, obviously mm-hmm. just posted, um, the best burger in new England, mm-hmm. as well as a cool book recommendation from yeah. both me and Liz. It's a book we both enjoyed. How about that? And I already know my next book recommendation because I just finished another fucking cool book. So look at that. Yeah, you got to get on over there, guys. Um, bargain, too. Yeah, right? So that's it, I think, up front. I don't have a, a lot of other stuff. There's a lot in this episode. It moves fast, but... It moves, yeah. Moves fast, not a lot of scenes. Just They're just packed. Yeah, I was writing my notes and took a break and came back, and I was like what like i wrote so much and hadn't even covered like a quarter of the episode yeah it's it's wild it's wild so stay tuned for legendary moments from all of you at the end and let's get into intervention this episode of hey beautiful is brought to you by our patreon almighty five level members russell tish johnny and zet Thanks to all of our patrons for their support of this show. Our Patreon works on a sliding scale now. You give what you can each month, and you'll receive all the perks we offer, including monthly private live streams and Hemium-themed recipes. Join for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. This is Season 4, Episode 4, Intervention. It first aired on October 13th, 2008, Our writer is Stephen Lloyd, and our director is not Pam Fryman, Caitlin. Crazy. Our director is Michael Shea. What do we know about Michael Shea? So, a couple of things. He actually is going to direct three more episodes, so he will have directed four episodes for the show, which is crazy. And that's like a Um, lot for for a guest director, right? Most of them just do like one-off? Mm-hmm. And especially because this show in particular, there's really no guest directors. It's always Pam Fryman. Yeah. Um, and he's listed mostly as an assistant director or a second unit director, which mm. is also he's credited throughout uh, the show as that. Um, I think the most notable for us is that he worked on One Day at a Time. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and Stephen Lloyd is a writer and producer for Modern Family and also for, um, was on Just Shoot Me. Um, but what's kind of interesting is that we'll see both of them team up again for season eight in The Fortress. 
I love that episode. Yeah, so Good Stephen job, wrote that one and, and Michael directed it. That's interesting. Maybe they're like a team, you know, on mm. other shows as well. Yeah, they were on a couple of the same shows, I believe. That's so cool. I could have made it, just made that up. I'm not sure. But. <laughs> That's fine. No one's going to check our work. Has Stephen written any episodes so far that we've seen? I did talk about him before, mm. I feel like. Okay. Um, yeah. And you said Michael Shea worked on One Day at a Time? Mm-hmm. Who's the, sh- who's the uh, showrunner on that? Oh, name's... Gloria... It's just slipped my... It's that, it's that How I Met Your Mother writer, Gloria Calderon-Kellett? Oh, yeah. Hmm. She does great work. She really does. Some great work, guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's nothing. Also, S- Stephen Lloyd wrote Brunch and Spoiler Alert and The Goat. So we have seen him. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's why. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll see him again later on in season four, um, <clears throat> episode 22. So right at the end, right place, right time. Ooh, another good one. Mm-hmm. We open with one of the weirdest yet most iconic Robin outfits of this show. Right? I feel like this is another one that's burned into my brain. I don't like it, but it looks good on her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wrote few things I need to say. Robin's outfit. It's like ketchup what? and mustard. I can't do the yellow and red. Uh, yep, I said the same thing. I said she looks like she works at a fast food restaurant, mm. and I love weird stuff, but there's something about this particular color of yellow, this particular color of, like, the shade of yellow and red in, presented in this way. I can't. Yeah, it reminded me of, like, a, like a toy, like a toy soldier or mm. something. I don't know what it was. It was something weird, but... At the same time, she looks great. Like, she just looks good in a sweater vest. Not sure who figured that out, but we've seen several of them so far this season, and I'm not mad at it. Um, Anyway, they're all sitting in the bar waiting for Barney to come in, debating about whether or not he's going to pull it off. And it reminded me of Ted's 30th birthday. Was it his 30th? No, it wasn't his 30th birthday. It's the birthday when Barney pulls the prank and we get the cameo of Carter and Craig as the paramedics. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And Give him your number. Right. So they're all like yeah. waiting for Barney to come in. And then they're they're sort of debating about whether or not he's going to he's going to pull it off. So it was a big night at McLaren's. But also they're all supposed to be moving. So this was a great distraction for them. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when he comes in as the old man. Even his hands are done. Yeah. Like, even his hands are made up with, like, little liver spots on them. And which he's, is, like, shaky. Yeah, which is so great. And he goes up to this woman, Cindy, at the bar, and it's this time-traveling play. So it's very back to the future of the young me is going to come in, and you have to have sex with him, or he won't be able to figure out global warming and save the planet. We find out that Robin's in on it, but maybe nobody else is, because... Barney clears his throat and she slaps Ted and Ted clearly didn't know that was coming. So the two of them are still teaming up on stuff, which is cute. It was it was just you could tell that this writer has a real um, appreciation for this specific kind of film, you know, like Mm -hmm. with the reality accelerator. It just it's just it felt very authentic. And like this was pulled from his own interests, this whole little sci fi time travel thing. Okay, you don't need to cry like that. That's my cat. I heard that. Hi, Bubba. Can you go away? 
Thank you. He's not going to go away. So if you guys hear my cat, that's just how it is. <laughs> I do also love Lily's top here. She gets into this this vibe of like a tank top with like a frilly front, mm-hmm. like a almost like a structural frilly front, which I love. Um, and this is just another example of that. But she's trying to get everybody to go upstairs and go back to packing. And we find out that everybody's moving. Like, we thought maybe it was just going to be Ted and Robin, right? Jersey and mm-hmm. Japan. But it's also time for uh, Marshall and Lily to move into their apartment. Yeah. And usually something this momentous happens, like, at the end of a season, right? Or the end of a show. <laughs> like, yeah. this is it. This is they like. They all go their separate they ways. They go their separate ways, right? But they this is. happily ever after. Episode four. So what the hell is mm-hmm. going on? And then we start talking about um, nostalgia versus no nostalgia. Obviously, Ted, Marshall, and Lily are very nostalgic. And Robin just throws shit out. And I wanted to know, which one are you when you're packing? <clears throat> a mix of both. Yeah. Yeah, so I previously have been very sentimental and nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And then we moved into a smaller house. We watched, and we also had watched this minimalism documentary. Mm-hmm. So we've slowly just been getting rid of the stuff and the noise. And I have found that I've become a lot more like Robin, and I'm not upset about it. Yeah. I've I've always been like Robin. Um, I love throwing shit out. And I feel like maybe I'll regret it someday, but I just can't be bothered to like move huge yeah. boxes of mementos. Like for what? For what right? Like they like they serve a purpose. Look at my grandma's old photos. Right, right. Once I mean it's cool once in a while, but Yeah, and now with the internet, there's so much so many yeah. memories you can have online as well. Um, I read and, and did a little bit of the Marie Kondo stuff. And like the, the bit that I got you from it. Her book. Oh, yeah. The thing that I got from it was something in your life can have served a purpose. And then mm-hmm. that purpose is done. Like this was important to you at a time. And now you need to release it. And I think releasing attachment is always is always a good thing. I, I agree. I think it's healthy. Right. So. Yeah, this is, as Ted says, the end of an era. He's very good this episode mm. of reminding us what a big deal this is, right? It's very yep. it's very Ted. Um, he has some little cheese ball moments, but it's Ted, so it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. He says that they should have a toast with some of the oldest scotch in the bar. And this is the first time we learn about 50-year-old Glenn McKenna. Which is a very sweet runner, as they say, uh, that will come back around as as sort of an important, momentous occasion drink for the gang. But of course, mm-hmm. at this point in their lives, they can't afford it. So we'll see what changes with that. To everyone's surprise, young Barney works. <laughs> young Barney fucking works. I could not. I mean, of course, I could believe it, but it was just... It was so good. Right? So up in the apartment, there is shit everywhere. And everyone is in the midst of packing. Gave me a lot of anxiety, actually. I did not like to see that. <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing that the movie movers were coming soon. That's tough. Um, That's tough for you. Yeah. It's, 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 see, that it's, would just be that would just be what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. We're just so, no. so different sometimes. Not for me. Yeah. 
Um, and we see Ted come out with a photo album, like a physical <laughs> photo album. And in my mind, like it had the plastic cover over it with like the sticky pages, mm. you know? Yeah. And there's a picture for when they first moved in. It's all so cute. They start to get sucked into that sentimental trap. And that's exactly the shit that Robin like does not have time for. Right. And as she points out, like, neither will Stella, because when you move in with a girl, all of your shit is dumb. Like, anything <laughs> you bought at a renaissance fair. Mm-hmm. So when you and Liz moved in, was there anything that you, like, that you said was stupid or um, she said was stupid? She wanted a dartboard, like, in the house. Like, she has a dartboard. And it was never up in the apartment, like, in Worcester. And mm-hmm. I told her, I mean, she could put it in the garage. That's fine. But I didn't want it, like, in the house. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that she didn't want of mine, too. I don't think either of us had very um, very stupid stuff. She's I she's think. a pretty practical gal. So, um, but the dartboard was the one thing that I was like, that doesn't belong, like, up, upstairs in a house. That is like basement or or garage material. Yeah, you know? I don't think there's anything like we really nixed. I think by the time we bought our house, I'd slowly gotten Chris to go through and get rid of a lot of the stuff on his own. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And but you got anyway. rid of like a shitload of clothes too, right? That was your mm-hmm. that was your private shame. <laughs> yeah, that was your private shame. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. And I've even downsized since then, so. Good for you, girl. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, but I have, like, one outfit I wear anytime we go anywhere. Well. And so that's getting boring. Yeah. Well. And I put on. You can get another one. Yeah, I put on an outfit that was, like, a new mix of old clothes, and I was just, like, invigorated. I told Chris, I was like, I just love clothes so much. I miss, like, I miss clothes. outfits and, like, feeling good about what I wear and, like, oh. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. Just, you know, you have to moderate it, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just don't moderate. Yeah, yeah. I feel you, girl. I feel you. Marshall comes in from the bedroom asking Ted if he's going to reimburse him for his half of the security deposit and then proceeds to point out all of the <clears throat> damage caused by Ted and or his affiliates, his affiliates. around the apartments. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like, Ted should know better than to Marshall because he's got his case built. Like, he's a fucking lawyer. Right. He's got receipts, man. Yeah. So first he points out the uh, bookcase. Which is when Ted tried to put the encyclopedia on the wall. <laughs> oh. This this joke pays off several times in this episode very it well. It really does, though. Yeah. Um, so we find Ted has put this 1986 world book encyclopedia, <laughs> just like the one he grew up with. Ugh. God. Um, so it's oh, out of date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he's, like, so proud of it, and um, it ends up falling off the wall (laughs) and pulling, like, some of the plaster that covers the brick off and everything. And Marshall says, you know, you're going to have to pay the effort, (laughs) which he never did. And I did look up all sorts of info about the little AE symbol that he was talking about, which Mm -hmm. is an ash and the... 
and at the mm-hmm. time felt really interesting, but not so much. Okay. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, do people do people know? I think we have a lot of younger listeners. The encyclopedia was the fucking internet. Okay. Yeah. The encyclopedia was yeah. Google. We did not have the internet. So Mm-mm. you would go and look shit up in a fucking book. And if it wasn't there, it wasn't there. It just wasn't it just like wasn't that was that. there. Yeah. So it was just filled with little tiny definitions about everything. And every volume was like a letter. So you missed out, guys. I remember being like really, really excited to get um is the was it Encarta online? Like yes! on the C D ROM. Mm-hmm. Yep, we definitely had that. That was awesome. Oof, nerds. Yeah. We're fucking nerds. God damn it. I you know what? I don't even care. You know what? I don't even care. <laughs> Same. Next up, we have a cracked beam caused by the flail that Ted won from the uh, Renaissance Fair. Yep. We see him swing and it smacks right into the beam and again cracks plaster and it's just a big mess. Then there's the hole in the wall by the door, which Ted doesn't understand because he didn't do that. And it turns out it was when... Robin got real Canadian one night, mm-hmm. drank a 12-er of Molson. That's a lot of beer. Right? That's a lot of beer. So we cut to Robin, who's wearing hockey jersey, gloves, stick, like whole nine, doing some puck handling. So, oh, fuck, she must have shot the puck into the wall, caused damage. But no, mm-hmm. that's not what happened. So we see her start to talk through... Uh, a game where the Rangers are about to be sorry that they replaced <gasps> Shinny with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Marshall says he'll give her 20 bucks if she can get the puck through the door. And she tells him he's nuttier than Tim Horton's Maple Law, <laughs> which I don't think is real because I look, tried to find it. Oh, damn. I know. Winds up and she's going to make it with Lily's arm flies out of nowhere and snatches the puck. Gloved hand like a like a fucking goalie. Like Julie the Cat from fucking Mighty Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it because Glove I save. love when um Yeah. When uh Robin yells Timmy Ho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so it's not from the puck. All right, so Lily's pissed and she's yelling at Robin to give her the the stick. Robin's drunk, defiant. I'll give you summer teeth, summer here, summer there. I just love drunk Canadian Robin. Yeah. It's so great. And so Robin pushes her, pushes Lily, calls her a hoser, and that's it. And Lily throws her gloves off and they start to fight. And I love Marshall in the background. Go, America. <laughs> yeah. And she throws her gloves down like a fucking goalie. Or like yeah, or like does. any hockey player that's about mm-hmm. to fight. Just whoops. Yep. I love it so much. And so Ted steps in and breaks up the fight. And Barney starts shouting, no, no, Ted, you never break up a girl fight. And you, he, he like turns and you hear this like groan, this like, <laughs> this like, this scream that comes from like deep within. He goes, ah, and he like punches a hole in the wall. Oh, God. So everyone agrees that it really it's more like Barney, uh, Barney's fault, just like the scorch mark. Mm-hmm. But to first understand the scorch mark, you have to know the story behind the interventions. 
which is just like one of the silliest fucking things ever for a show. I love it. It's right? done so like, well. It really is. I feel like they knew that Steven needed to write this. Like, I'll I'll get into that in a little bit, but it, it, God, it's just so fucking good. It really is. Um, so we cut to uh, what we find out is Stuart and Claudia's apartment. And I didn't think this was Claudia at all. Brunette Claudia. I was, I went on IMDb and Wikipedia and even the end, all credit Virginia Williams, who is Claudia. Like, it's her. Oh, you didn't think it was her, like, after I she started not, talking even? I just was, like, staring at her. It couldn't, it did not compute. Ugly. I just, I could not. I was like, no, no, no. Like, my brain would not. I still don't really because she had it. that ugly brown hair, right, Caitlin? I know. It's ugly, ugly. Tell them that ugly. story. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so my sister had gone to hair school. And while she was there, I would uh, experiment with my hair color. So I've had black hair. I've had platinum blonde, red, like every color in between. And Jack hated it. My son hated it. He was like, you know, probably two or three at the time. And my sister would come over to dye my hair and he would cry. No, Mamie, don't paint my hair. <laughs> don't paint mama's hair. I hate. No, no, no. Don't paint um, mama's hair. Yeah. So in my bedroom, I had all these collage pictures of us. And because I had all different hair colors throughout like his <laughs> young developing years, there was many pictures of me with all different hair. And so if he ever got mad at me, He'd go over to the pictures and he'd start pointing at every picture of me with dark hair and go, ugly, ugly, <laughs> ugly, like to hurt my feelings. <laughs> I love it so much. Whenever whenever Caitlin posts like an old picture of her now on social media with dark hair, I just write ugly, ugly. underneath it. Every time. Every time. Ugly. It's my favorite. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. He loves the blonde. And he did. Yeah, he hated it. He would. He actually talked about we talked about it the other day because we were laughing. Um, I had moved the frames; they're just somewhere else in our house now. Yeah. And um, he had these little heart stickers that he also would put over my face when he loved me. That's and cute. And pull them off when he was mad. So he was like, "Yeah, Mama." He's like, "I I just wanted to hurt you so bad. I was so angry, and I would look at you and pull the heart sticker off. And I was like, I know, and I would try so hard not to laugh. <laughs> little shit. Little shit." Ugly. Like, ugly, 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 <laughs> ugly. Would you laugh when he did that? Yeah, it's just so funny. So funny, God. Yeah, and it was he was so angry about it. And he was so like he felt it. Yeah, I don't think ugly. He, I don't think he would have liked Claudia here. No, brunette Claudia. She's a blonde. Sorry. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, maybe it was that way because of they just wanted to show it was like a different time, like it was a more recent time. They do you know hair yeah. stuff for that. Maybe she needed it dark for a like a roll, but it looked like a wig, so Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. Um, anyway, so turns out everyone got invited to an intervention for Stuart, who apparently has a drinking problem. Um, and this was modeled somewhat after the show Intervention, which premiered in two thousand five. It's in its twentieth season. Oh my god, it was huge then too. Like that was Yeah, it, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching it in college. 
Well, 2000, what year did you say? 2005? This show premiered in 2005 in its 20th season on AE, just like the symbol Ash in Encyclopedia. And How I Met Your Mother came out in 2005. <gasps> Whoa. They like came up together. Ooh. <laughs> um, they have like this serious music in the background. I did not like the music throughout this episode. It was all like cheesy. Yeah, yeah. Like no good jams. No. Um, but I just love Stuart so much. He was like the whole time he's just like really seriously like listening mm-hmm. and like, you know, shaking his head. This is just the push I need. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was definitely based like the guy that came up first didn't seem like a friend, like the way he, mm. it, he seemed like the guy that like came in to run the intervention right. and everyone had their letters. It was all like, I don't think anyone Very knew serious. what an intervention looked like. Mm-hmm. Like on a wide public scale until intervention. So now everyone knows. I did it. If you host an intervention, you need your letters. Yeah. You tell them how their behavior has affected you mm-hmm. and what you will not put up with <laughs> unless they get your help today. Unless they accept the help you're offering today. I might have watched the show a lot. Oh my god. Dude, oh my god. Did you watch the show? Um, not really. The best one, listen. Addiction issues are serious. Yes. They're very serious. But sometimes funny things happen on a serious show. Yeah. There is one girl who is from Rhode Island who huffed computer duster. And she had a very, very sad past. It was horrible. But mm-hmm. she was so funny on the computer duster. She was like arrogant and had like just she was just like ripping people. And um yeah, if you can find people will know. She's like one of the okay. classics. And I can't remember what her name was, but she's a favorite. I hope she's doing I, well wherever she is, because that was iconic. I had to take some class in college and it's something to do with like ethics or like human i have no idea but i remember we had to watch intervention a couple of episodes for for class and write about it i think now they've determined that that format is like actually not all that helpful and like threatening to you know alienate them some of the, the most some of the most sensitive people from everything that they care about is probably not great, but it's what we had at the time, guys. And you know, before becoming more sensitive to addiction issues, it was very fun to watch. Some of them are very sad, but some of them were like, "Whoa!" Yeah. So that's it. That's about that. Well, so like Kate said, you had to have your letter, and just as. Claudia, I'm putting that in air quotes. <laughs> her finishes her letter to Stuart. Barney bursts in, telling Stewie to let the party monster out, and that people don't want Bruce Banner; they want the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And Robin very helpfully clues him in, and Barney tries to laugh it off. Oops, that's what I get for skimming the Eva. Yeah. Oh, so so bad. Um, so later that afternoon, everyone is congratulating themselves for helping Stuart and, um, while drinking beer, while drinking (laughs) beer. Yes. And I noticed like Ted and Robin are like, kind of like cozied up. I know. On the couch. Yeah. Well, this must've been back when, maybe this was back when they were dating. 
I know, but it's still like it was like oh, oh yeah, yeah. I know. I, I I forgot that there was there was probably a time difference, and I just assumed they mm-hmm. were good enough friends. But no, they would not be doing that now. That's true. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they're all like kind of patting themselves on the back, drinking their beer. I think it's like the afternoon, mm-hmm. and Marshall walks by with this Dr. Seuss hat, <laughs> which actually it's a hat that's the cat in the hat wore. It. It's not. It's not a Dr. Dr. Seuss, Seuss hat. It's a cat in a hat. I've tried to find that exact hat. It's very tall. It's like nine layers. They must have made it themselves because I could not find that fucking hat. Apparently, it's technically called a stovepipe hat. Oh, makes sense. Like a striped stovepipe, yeah. if you're looking for something in that vein, folks. Because I Googled Clearly you hard. Have. Well, I wanted to do like a giveaway of the Marshall hat, because I thought that would be amazing, but it does not exist. So I wonder how hard it would be to make it. I'll let you, I'll let you noodle on that. Yeah. <laughs> But it has to be like two feet in the air and on top of his giant body. Like, I just can't. I know. So, yeah, as he's leaving, everyone's like giving him all this shit. He's like, uh, yeah, no, this hat's awesome and I'm never taking it off. And he like backs out of the door and like dips down. Never breaking <laughs> eye contact. Just so pleased. It's the most amazing, amazing exit. And so, thus, the uh, intervention tradition is born so we see everyone get an intervention in the group except for ted Mm -hmm. we hear about some of his but we don't get to see one and it there's the serious slow piano music in the background everyone's got their letters people have a hard time making eye contact but they do their best to be strong and stand together (laughs) so for marshall it's the hat yep and so he backs he comes in the door the same way he backed out of it. <laughs> and he says the things that you heard on the show, show. Like, I have it under control. I can take it off whenever I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, we find Lily has an intervention for this weird British accent. Yeah. Which we later find out was because they had watched a whole bunch of James Bond movies. Uh, we see an orange robin come in. <laughs> and she says, they really you in with the coupon and then you just get hooked. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be getting a spray tan in May, or I'm going to be getting one for a thing in May. But what's um, the thing in May? Kesha concert. Oh, is that a requirement? No, you just feel I'm like doing like, it. I'm going to wear like I'm going to show some skin. Ooh. So I want to be tan. Yeah, and in May in New England, yeah, you're going to need the spray tan for sure. I'm going to need the <laughs> one of my friends does them Ooh. like professionally, like as like a job. Yeah. Um. Have her like spray tan on like real cut, like real cut muscles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, she's going to do a trial first too. So I'm going to like tell her that she needs some shading. I love it. She gets real. Do some contouring, you know? So again, this is all about how we got the scorch marks. We have to come full circle with that story. And we find out it has to do with Barney and the intervention for his magic tricks, specifically those that involve fire mm-hmm. and Barney like kind of backs away. He's like this really steep. I love his voice. This like, <laughs> it's like gravelly. The- yeah. He has like a couple of interesting voices. This whole episode He's like, this fills me with, uh, he goes, this really steams me up. This really burns me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm filled with a white hot rage. He's like, ah, and a fireball flies out and burns the intervention banner. I smell hair. I oh. smell hair. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, like, that is, what a nightmare. I love what it so much. Um, 
So, but wait a minute, because the intervention banner burned up, but Ted saw one when he was in the closet. So why is there an intervention banner? Mm. So he's a little confused, goes to grab it, and realizes that there's letters in there, and they have his name on it. What the fuck? Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. What is this about? Is it the Crocs? Which would be understandable, but no. Um, is it the hair product? And Marshall helps him to narrow it down by telling him what it's not. Yeah. It's not Stella. Definitely not. And then looks pretty uncomfortable. But um, so obviously it's about Stella. And Marshall tries to like throw Ted off by saying, no, it's about your poor listening skills. <laughs> and Ted's like, what? And he goes, see, it's out of it's control. Out of control. <laughs> I love that. I love me too. I love his deflection. Oh, um, so yeah, Ted realizes, oh my God, like. This is about Stella. Like, you guys don't think I should marry Stella. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Before we move on to the next bit after that little commercial or whatever, there's so much happening in this little scene. I know. And this is why I always trust Stephen Lloyd because, fuck, like the layers to everything. First of all, you know, Ted, there are so many reasons for Ted to be interventioned by his friends. And we get to hear mm-hmm. a couple of them, right? Um but I just love the layers of the layers that provide so much backstory on all the characters this episode. Like we have this great use of objects that are linked to memories and that's just such a great device that they always use on the show. But here it's like really, really powerful because it's not just throwaway stuff. Like we're getting stuff in these flashbacks that are going to resonate in future episodes. So it's not just like a bunch of gags. It feels like we're really learning stuff about the characters. Um, I love the Robin scene with the with the damage of the door, and like you said, like you think it's the you think it's going to be the pup, you think it's going to be Lily and Robin, right? And mm-hmm. then the surprise of Barney, who isn't even like involved at all. He's just going. Like he goes to like looks like he's going to get his camera, get his phone, yeah, phone yeah. Um, so just stuff like that. Um, you already mentioned. You know, the flail, the encyclopedia, the accent, all of these have like multiple, um, they, they sort of come back around multiple times this episode. And, and mm-hmm. the encyclopedia comes back even in the future, like on future episodes. Um, yeah. So just a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, and then my last question is, what do you need an intervention on? Uh probably being overall generally being distracted mm. um chris would like specifically like phone but overall just very distracted um as chris said that he only expects me to do about half of what he <laughs> fuck that's probably true for me too yeah. um yeah i think i think phone or just like mm watching shows over and over and over again instead of watching something new i think those are two things that like might annoy my wife but i'm not gonna ask her because i don't want to know the real answer i'm married to virgo so he has told me that he does not like my distraction (laughs) she's a libra she's just trying to keep the peace and i'm just i'm happy with that i think as a pisces that's what i need i need someone that's not going to be like because a pisces and a virgo yo not gonna happen it's just not gonna work. I'm a Gemini. Yeah, that's it's amazing. It's but amazing. somehow it works yeah. for us. So we come back from the black, and 
the friends are like, it was it was a long time ago. This whole a long time ago. I mean, they've only been together for like five seconds. You know, know. we're we're so happy for you. Like we didn't do it for a reason. It was stupid. Um, we find out that there was actually an intervention intervention because it got out of control for a while there. Um, and we see Ted in this intervention intervention flashback wearing a shirt that says free city on it. I just want to stop and talk about this because Liz actually caught it before me. Ooh. Free city. And we only know this because we've been rewatching the L word. Free city is a company owned by one of the L word actresses, partners at the time so that actress was wearing free city like in every episode of the l word so it just like glazed past my eyes because we're watching the l word every night i didn't even notice that this shirt was appearing in a different fucking show so that was pretty cool glad that liz caught that that's awesome um yeah good catch. right she's got some good nice catch rook yeah (laughs) nice catch rook um barney comes in Confirming that the future Barney thing worked um, and he's all ready for Ted's intervention because they, you know, he asked what's going on, what the banner's out for. They say that it's about Stella or Ted says it's about Stella and Barney whips out his envelope containing his intervention letter, which he just carries around. And you can tell that there's something up with that letter. It's like floppy. You know, like the paper is clearly like we find out flammable, but you can tell that there's something up with that. Um, And so he's reading from it and he says, you know, your marriage is going to go up in flames. And uh, yeah, we see more fire tricks from Barney. Um, So there is actually a blog post Uh where you can see the letter. Really? And it's like a Mad Libs letter almost. So it has, you know, friend's last name, friend's fiance friend you want to play funny prank on children's (laughs) toy large auto part picnic condiment lame married friend redundant huh so it you know i feel like when ted asks barney to read his letter and we hear this like it's exactly what you would expect barney to say Mm -hmm. so it's like who knows really what the intervention was about right it was very general right it was just very very general marshall challenges barney and he's because barney's talking about how awesome he is and he's always going to stay the same and Mm -hmm. you know marshall's like ew you're not going to be having sex with 22 year olds when you're 80 and from this barney challenges himself which he is Mm -hmm. wont to do um and he says that he will pick up a 22 year old in his 80 year old man makeup nobody remotely challenged him to that uh, but marshall definitely wants to see it yes so now Barney has his mission of the episode because he's kind of been, you know, out in left field. Um, Ted wants to hear the other letters. And I think that this is, again, his subconscious trying to wake him up. Because mm-hmm. some people might just be like, okay, and just deny it and, and not want to not want to feel those feelings. Would you? Um, no. I would have to. See, I wouldn't. Really? I would be okay. If my friends told me that they had moved moved on, I would just be like, that's fine. But, mm. you know. That's true. I'm happy in denial sometimes. It's not healthy. Same. Um, I think Ted did the right thing. Mm. Like, this was a chance for his friends to express stuff that they clearly hadn't done all that well up until that point. Yeah. Um, but sadly, we only get one real letter, and that's Marshall's. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Robin did write one because she's his ex-girlfriend and she was totally right that it would not have it would not have added to the intervention and she's hotter anyway so who cares I just love that um and I do love that the little the child actor (laughs) this Lily student is something moving too quickly with a girl named Stella I wish (laughs) so good um but Marshall Marshall's letter is arguably the most important and of course it gets it hits Ted right right in the gut um you know he just really hones in on the fact that you're not just marrying Stella you're becoming a father figure to a seven-year-old like you can barely keep a fucking relationship now like you're not Mm -hmm. ready you're not ready to be a father and you're not doing the kid any favors and that is like that's the thing that has been missing that no one has been saying. Everyone, well, Stella and Ted have just been running into this. We know why Ted's doing it. We do not know why Stella's doing it. Running into this without really considering the child in the middle. Right. We saw a lot of that last episode with I Heart New Jersey. Um, but then Marshall says, you know, this was months ago. We love Stella now. We've gotten to know her more. Like, this was back when we were worried about it. But... It's already starting to sink in for Ted, and this sets off a huge chain reaction in the apartment because everybody is, like, on the ledge of jumping off Mm -hmm. into a completely unknown situation. Three very different, three very... um, very complex and, and, and unknown things. And so it starts this domino effect of it's sinking in for Ted that this is what he's, what he's doing is wrong and impulsive and he shouldn't be doing it. Um, you know, we've, we did go into this really fast. You guys have a point, you know, Stella, what if Stella doesn't like my stuff? Like the robot cookie jar, mm-hmm. AKA R2 sweet tooth and so good. the bond movies. Then we get the, the tie back to the accent and he just starts pulling everything out of the boxes and says, he's never leaving would you have let ted keep any of that shit if he moved in with you um the cookie jar is cool can you make someone throw things out like signed cleats like i don't know i i think i would try to find a good spot for them yeah i don't know if i would make them throw it out i would make them i would like not like hint but Help them come to the right conclusion. And maybe also be like, I'll throw out these things. Like, this is stuff that we want to downsize and we want to, you know, um, grow our life together. We need to kind of release a lot of the Mm -hmm. clutter. Um, Bernie Kosar uh, was a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns from 85 to 93. Finished a career with the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Mm. Um, most notably, he was featured in a documentary about CTE, chronic traumatic Ooh, encephalopathy. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oof, God. That's so yeah. sad. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if that's when the Cleveland Browns quarterback problem started, but I know they cannot keep one, according to Liz. So. Oh, boy. Wow. The poor, the poor dog pound, you know? know? No idea. The dog pound defense. <laughs> no idea what that means. The Ted says it about the Cleveland Browns. I know, but like I don't know. Oh, like, I don't know. Is what that, that like a real thing? That maybe that's it? what they call the Browns defense. I have no fucking idea. I'm gonna stop here and intro our amazing guest interview. Woo-hoo. 
Woohoo! So, uh, yeah, a couple nights ago, last week, I had the chance mm-hmm. to sit down with Jessica Ellis, who is um, a friend of mine on Twitter. We've been talking about doing this interview for a while. She was so mm-hmm. excited. She asked me, as you'll hear, um, which was surprising to me and very mm-hmm. exciting. So we've been talking about doing this for a while, and our schedule's finally lined up. And she was so excited to get to talk about intervention, not just as a fan, but also from the point of view of a director and a writer. Um, mm-hmm. So she's going to talk about this episode um, in a way that we try to, but she probably does it a little bit better. We can't. Yeah, we can't because we don't have like the direct experience. So no. um, without further ado, please enjoy this clip from our interview with Jessica Ellis. Okay, friends, you all know how much we love a lady writer on this show, and that's why I am thrilled to be interviewing our guest today. She is an award-winning screenwriter, a filmmaker, a Twitter addict, and the writer-director of a new feature film called What Lies West, which was most recently chosen as the opening night screening for the Coven Film Festival last month. Uh, Jessica Ellis, thank you so much for being on Hey Beautiful. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay, I know. We've been talking about this for ages, so I'm so glad that (laughs) that it finally worked out. Me too. Yeah, I'm really excited. It was so fun. I hadn't watched an episode in a while, so getting to go back and revisit one of my favorites was just awesome. Before we get into the How I Met Your Mother stuff, I want to talk a little bit about your new incredible project, What Lies West. Yeah, uh, we're really excited. We're kind of doing festivals right now. We're not quite sure where we're headed next, um, Mm -hmm. but uh, we're starting the phase where we're looking for distribution, and uh, we're just so excited to finally get this movie out to (laughs) everybody that's demanding it from us. Yay! Well, I've watched the trailer, and I loved it, and I can't wait to see the whole thing, and I think our listeners would really love it, so can you tell them a little bit about the movie itself? Yeah. uh, So What Lies West is a coming of age adventure film um, about a new college graduate who takes a summer job babysitting a very sheltered teenager. um, And the two of them start to bond and start to have bigger and bigger adventures going out on hikes, uh, culminating on kind of a secret hike they're hiding from their families all the way to the coast from Sonoma County in California. So it's a really fun girls heading out into the woods, girls doing stuff movie that uh, we really had a, a lot of fun making. I love it. I I love that it's specifically a girl adventure movie because growing up, besides now and then, we really mm-hmm. didn't get, I didn't get that at all. And it seems like now it's happening a little bit more. Like we've got Booksmart out now. Yep. That's that's sort of like the, the, the girl super bad, right? But I think it's better. Um, Agreed. But it's just, it's just so great. So- where where did the idea come from for you to even make this movie, to write this movie? Um, for me, uh, I just had a desire to try to put a really positive film into the world. Like that, that's where it started, was wanting to do something that was hopeful and that talked to girls, you know, in, in not a condescending way about your life and growing up and what that's like now. Um, and as we went on making it, we started to realize there was such a vacuum for movies like this, because when we said we're making a movie about two girls going hiking, most people's reaction was, Oh, what attacks them? We were like, like, uh, their self doubt and insecurity. (laughs) Like it's creepy. It was a very strange reaction. So it, it, 
I don't know the, the mission to make something really like positive and fun and hopeful. And, and that could be a model for girls, um, became more important the farther we got into it. So how long did this take you to write as a writer? I would love to know. Uh, not very long. Um, the writing process was very fast. I think I had the initial idea in, uh, I want to say April of 2017 and we started shooting at the end of, or the beginning of August that year. So yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a very speedy process. Um, we did have a long break in filming between the first and second halves though. So there was a lot of rewriting that went on. Um, kind of after I'd shot the first half of the film. Wow. Um, and what's your favorite part of writing and your favorite part of directing? Oh, my favorite part of writing is, God, that's a hard one. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not somebody that hates writing. I'm not the, yeah. the person that's like, oh, it's a struggle and I'm done. Like, no, I really yeah. enjoy a lot of writing. But I, I have to say the most euphoric moment of writing is when you are visited by the idea gods and Ooh, yeah. they drop something into your head. Um, and for like two or three minutes, everything is glorious <laughs> and you understand the world. And then you spend two years trying to like actually turn that into a script. But right. like that moment is so, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Cause it's before you're like, Oh, I have to actually make that look as good as it sounds in my head. Exactly. And directing, <laughs> I, I was terrified to direct. I had never directed before this film. I thought I would be a monster. Uh, and <laughs> it turned out I've never been more relaxed in my life. Um, so yeah. I, I loved every minute of actually being on set directing it. It's, it's such an empowering experience and it's wonderful when you realize that you get to set the tone of a set and you don't have to be a monster. That's a myth. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it looks like the, the young women that you worked with were very talented. So I'm sure that was, that was really rewarding too. They are incredible. They are just incredible. The two oh. of them, uh, we knew we wanted to work with both of them from day one and they never once let us down. They're just amazing. Do we have any idea when, when people will be able to see this? Zero percent. We're hoping 0%. this year, but, uh, okay. this is, this is a new experience for most of our team. So we're learning as we go about distribution. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything we can do to help support the film as you're going through this? Uh, absolutely. You can follow us at, on Twitter at, at what lies West. And, um, just anytime we put out anything about festivals or opportunities for the film or whatever, if you can boost and amplify, that's incredible. We're a tiny film. We're not a studio film. Yeah. Uh, we were, we exist kind of based on willpower and, and goodwill. So anything people can do to help us out is amazing. All right, let's get into the reason we're here. Yes. I was so excited to find out that you were a fan and that you really wanted to be on the show and I didn't have to beg you myself. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I love this show. It's one of my favorite comedies of the last 10 years, for sure. Yay. Um, so how did, how did you find How I Met Your Mother? You how know, did it I, come to you? I kind of stumbled onto it. I, I remember seeing an episode or two and it's a really interesting show in that like once they kind of hit their stride, there was such a cadence to the language that if you just viewed a random episode from the outside, it was like, it almost is like listening to Shakespeare and that it, it sounds mm. not like real human dialogue. But then if you actually start from the beginning of the show and go through it, like it gets its groove and it has its own language and it's really cool. So it took me a while um, before I finally sat down and actually like went start to finish on it. I think one of my sisters was finally like, sit down, watch the show. It's so funny. 
and uh, and so then I became I became very addicted and went through all of it very quickly. As a writer and now a director, what what do you love about the show? I know you've you've mentioned the language. Is there anything else that really that you really admire about the show? I really appreciated uh, when it is set in these characters' lives. I mean, I know it covers eight or nine years, but yeah. there weren't a lot. There are shows about being a teenager, and there are shows about being grown up with kids, but there are relatively few in that zone where you're out of college and you don't know what you're doing with your life. And, you know, or at least at the time when this came out, that was not a thing, really. Right. To, to be in kind of those years where you're like, I don't know, like, I think I know what I want to do with my career, but maybe that's just because I have a degree in it. Like, maybe I mm -hmm. actually hate that. And I, I really appreciated that it stuck so hard to that vibe of the kind of lost years of your late 20s and early 30s. They make terrible life decisions at times and deal with the consequences. And that is really relatable when you're at that age. Is there a character of the five that you really identify with? I've always been a Robin person. Um, I, I always, I really related to her not wanting kids. I thought that was a really good way to go. Um, and being kind of more career focused. I don't know if I relate to her. I'm nothing like her, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I always really liked that characterization and, and, her stories to me were always really interesting because Robin always existed slightly apart from the other group. Yeah in a way. And I, I thought that was cool. It was a nice contrast. So I've given you this question in advance. So I hope you've thought about it. Okay. We would love for you to rank the five core characters best to worst. So okay. Top now, of the best. I've thought of this. Do you mean in the episode or in the show in general? In the show in general, like Our, your, your all time faves. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Robin as number one. Okay. Uh, I have to say Marshall is two. Good one. Uh, then I would say Lily then Barney, then Ted. <laughs> Ted is just about always last. Poor Ted. Well, it's difficult. Ted is the Charlie Brown. Like right. you, he's not easy to deal with. He's so emotionally raw. And this is one of the things in the episode is like, Ted demands everybody does what he wants a lot. And a lot of us have friends like that and you love them, but it's also really annoying. Like they weren't afraid to let Ted be annoying. And that was probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh Radner does the cringy bits so well, so well, so, so well. And maybe it is that emotional rawness that just we as people kind of shy away from, right? We're like, Oh God, get your shit together, Ted. Exactly. Because we know we're like, I can't walk around like that. So why does Ted get to walk well, but around? That's the thing. I think it's a self-loathing thing. Yeah. Like I think yeah. we all dislike Ted because we all feel we are Ted. So, um, speaking specifically of the episode intervention now, yes. um, what, what do you love about this episode? It's just one of the classic kind of mid-season episodes where they they had hit their stride and they're able to take an absurd, silly premise uh, and tie <laughs> their kind of overall emotional arc of the season into it with 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 Ted and Stella. Um, and it just has like just enough like comic ridiculousness that they're able to deal with a large emotional thing or a couple of large emotional things actually. And, and yet still it doesn't ever stop being a fun and ridiculous and absurd concept. What was your legendary moment, your favorite moment from intervention? 
I, I have to say Lily's intervention for her British accent is, <laughs> is one of my favorite things they ever did. Cause it's so stupid. And like, so they, they tell you why she's doing it eventually, but you get to spend a good like 10 minutes being like, why on earth would Lily have decided to start speaking <laughs> in a bad Cockney accent? And it's just great. It's, it's such a great, perfect beat. So good. And I, I do love the little breadcrumbs they leave, right? So they'll drop that in. You think maybe you'll never figure it out, but then later in the episode, there's payoff that you kind of had forgotten about. I love right. it so much. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's such a good episode. There's so much stuffed in there. There really is. I also just really love how the final act is all of them deciding they're going to not go commit to the things that they've done. <laughs> that is That is a brilliant... Uh, I guess that's fourth act twist and fantastic um, and taps into so much of what I love about the show, but yeah, it's just a stellar episode. So, so good. And I'm so glad that we were able to get together to have you talk about this one. Cause it's wow. So good. Yeah. It's so, it's so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time. I know you had a crazy day today and <laughs> I really, I really, really appreciate it. Um, one last time, if you want to shout out, where people can find you, where they can find uh, What Lies West. Yeah, you can find What Lies West on Twitter at, at What Lies West. That's our best account for that. And you can find me on Twitter constantly at, <laughs> bad, yeah, at Baddest Mamma Jamma. Yep, and you can find me liking all of her shit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again to Jessica. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. That was awesome. What an incredible, what an incredible interview. Um, mm -hmm. We so appreciate it. And like I said, you are welcome back anytime, anytime, anytime. And um, in the next couple of days, y'all can catch the full length interview over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. So everyone tries to stop and convince Ted that he's just freaking out and what, you know, is happening is just normal. And I don't know, Kate, about you, but I felt like everyone in the next like scene was just like manic yes. and unlike themselves. Yes. Like it was such, it was almost like a dream. Mm. Well, like I felt like because how often it could have been you... a dream sequence. Yeah, because they were so out of character. It was very out of character, and also it's the thing that you dream about doing when you are about to make a big change, right? But no one ever actually does it. You know, like you get scared and you still fucking do it, like. You're about to change jobs and you get nervous. You don't fucking stay at your old job or you're going to buy a house. You don't stay yeah. in your apartment. Like it's kind of like wish fulfillment, like dream fulfillment watching this, mm -hmm. like watching people not jump off the cliff and sort of make it seem like they're okay with staying. It was like to me like a little fairy came and like tapped him on mm -hmm. the head and you heard like this like jingly music and then like. He jumped and was like, yeah, I'm not going to move. Yeah, yeah. It was so wild. But you've had that and feeling, right? Like when you're about to take a big step, you're just like, or I'll just not. What if I don't? Like, what if I just don't change my life in this huge way? Um, like that hesitation? Sometimes, not for all of yeah, things. Yeah, some, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, ooh, it feels so good to just not. Because change is so uncomfortable, right? And so... Mm -hmm. I just saw this as them sort of trying the path of least resistance, yeah. you know, and seeing what that felt like for a minute. But also, some of them shouldn't be doing what they're doing. So, Agreed. they're they're kind of they're kind of all right, all three of them. But true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so Ted realizes he's not ready to be the dad of a seven-year-old mm. and that if he gets married and moves to the suburbs, he will become an old man in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And speaking of getting old, we see Barney hitting on various women. And all I kept hearing in the back of my head was that Kesha song, Dinosaur. Oh, I don't know it. D-I-N-O-S-A. You are a dinosaur. <laughs> O-L-D-M-A-N. You're just an old man. Ooh. What? Oh. You need a CAT scan. <laughs> Jesus. I love it. Yeah, listen to it. It's a fun song. Like like all her shit. But yeah, mm. gross. So, you know, the women that are probably talking him are thinking that he is rich and successful and has a lot of money and could die soon and leave them right. rich. Right. Um, he does manage to get somebody who's interested, but she's thirty one and far too Woof. old for him. Yeah. So back in the apartment, we now have ten hours until the movers come. Are you okay? Do you Beyonce, need a Xanax? <laughs> No, I'm, like, freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Ten hours, you should be sleeping, resting up, because tomorrow you're moving. Oof, yeah. It's going to be a a long day. What the fuck? (laughs) And Ted's fiance is waiting for him in New Jersey. And he's unpacking. Yeah. Like, he's officially snapped, which is an excellent show in high school. (laughs) Um, But he's officially snapped. And you know lily realizes they have to do something and luckily marshall's got this so he waves ted over and tries to reason it with him kind of like you know like a dad like a father figure you know like big transitions are scary and you know cold feet well they're just a part of the deal oh, i love so that. how about you give me the knife and ted like hesitates but ends up handing mm-hmm. it over and marshall starts to almost like vibrate it's like the little fairy like tap him <laughs> on the forehead <laughs> And he's like, so I can start unpacking, too. I'm staying right here by your side forever, buddy. And Ted, like, cheers. And he tells Lily that they've been putting this off because they really don't want to move. Yeah. And Robin's watching in the background, horrified, ready to jump in with the logic. But it doesn't matter because before you know it, the little fairies tap Lily on the head and she's unpacking, too. Yeah. And she gives the guy some orders and goes to bake some kitchen, uh, goes into the kitchen to bake some cookies to fill up our two sweet tooth. And it's like Robin, they don't, it's like they don't have a landlord that they've signed away their lease. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like nothing, real life is suspended. Right, which is fine. Whatever. We'll, we'll go with yeah, it. No big deal. Robin is outraged and bewildered. She is like the last adult standing. <laughs> And has this, like, monologue and is, like, berating them about how they're so desperate to cling to anything familiar, blah, 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 blah. But soon Robin, too, is saying, like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I going to Japan? I don't know anyone there. So far away. I don't speak the language. And then I love she goes, and I don't have any good pictures of you guys. After she um, made yeah. some front of Ted. Th- yeah, and you threw all your pictures out. So you might have. You dumb bitch. You dumb bitch, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, so Ted rallies the gang to head down to the bar to order the usual, mm. because as Marshall says, everyone says change is so great, but what's so great about change? Nothing. Yeah, that's right. It is overrated. But this, this is really, it's, it's great to have a writer like Stephen Lloyd in here who, who understands where the show is going. Cause sometimes there's a guest writer who it just it's like a like a throwaway episode. It's like an evergreen episode. You can stick it anywhere. But this is clearly uh-huh. the part of the trajectory. And it's it's like the all everybody's chickens mm-hmm. are coming home to roost at the same time. Like 
Ted rushed his shit. Marshall and Lily shouldn't have bought that apartment. Robin spontaneously took this job without really considering it. Like, so all of their dumb choices are imploding at the same time. And that's why it was so easy to whip each other up because they're, they've all been sitting on this and just acting Mm. like they were okay. And now they're fucking melting down. So they're ready to just fall back into the way things were because it's so comfortable but and, easy. and so easy, right? But then they get downstairs and they see what it would look like if they actually never changed. If they didn't ever push themselves to try something new, to get out of their rut and move forward with their life. I love how quick that change is. Well, all of them are like, ew. <laughs> like their faces yep. are so good. Um, because we see Barney making out with a 22-year-old in his old man makeup um and i said this is what not changing looks like mm-hmm. and so reminds me of i said like the high school the guy who's graduated but still hanging out at high school the high school oh, vomit ted immediately says i'm moving to new jersey y'all are going to dosa tripla and robin you're going to tokyo because we are not going to end up like that um right. he has a great line where he says we're going to get older no matter what Are we going to get on with it and get on with our lives or are we just going to cling to the past? And that's that's Mm -hmm. the choice you have. Right. Because really, if you're if you're trying to stay young, I feel like you look older than ever. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Because you're just you're hanging out with younger people and you're trying to do things that are, you know, well, we'll get to Murtaugh. But that's. You know, like you just got to you just got to embrace who you are mm-hmm. like you and I know unless it's Craig and Carter in New York City. We're not fucking going. No, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> like you just know it. You just know right. it. Exactly. It's just not happening. Right. This weird little bit about the girl being French. So it doesn't count. I haven't found French women to be like extra slutty, but maybe that's like a a stereotype. I actually think French women are kind of hard to warm up. I feel like it just, they just meant like anything goes. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess but so. I, yeah, I don't know that stereotype. Yeah, maybe they they love a May-December relationship. I have no idea. Not not familiar. Um, but then Ted gets his his little monologue moment, right, where he says he'll pay the deposit. It's totally worth it as long as we all agree to put aside $10 a week for the next year. And we buy that 50-year Glenn McKenna. And so um, this is, I said, this is cheesy, but it's Ted, right? Like he kind of gets away with it, talking about yeah. how we're going to celebrate the year we've had. You'll be doing this and you'll be doing that. And it's like he just loves, we know he loves being in a story. He loves dreaming of the story that they're going to tell ahead of time. Like he's just, that's just who he is. Um, mm-hmm. And we do get a flash forward, which yeah. I love in How I Met Your Mother, because there are always little clues and little Easter eggs, um, or you think there are. There's like red herrings. So we get this flash forward to 2009. You got to pay attention to everybody, right? So we see Barney and Robin are on one side of the booth, and she kind of like leans into, leans him, into him the way she had leaned into Ted with the beer when mm-hmm. they were dating. So are they together? Are they not? Are they just friends? You can't tell. Um, and I thought it was adorable that Robin asked Wendy for the picture. 
Yeah, she had a camera with she her. She had a camera with her after being so um Anti. so set on and not being sentimental, right? But she has mm-hmm. whatever happens in this year, she's learned something about yeah. about what's important. Um Exactly. And you know, future Ted tells us a lot changed that year, but some things didn't. And we hear Lily say, should we move things upstairs to the apartment? Mm-hmm. So who didn't move out? Very interesting. And the thing is, my memory is so bad, I don't know what happens, that they all end up back at this place and someone still lives upstairs. I don't remember who lives upstairs a year from now. We will find out what happens and how how we come to that to that point. Um, and then... After the cut, we get what? 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 Hold on. Also, Ted's left hand is obscured <gasps> throughout most of it, Ooh. and then as he's talking about the scotch, he raises his hand into like the okay motion as he talks, and you can very clearly see he does not <gasps> have a ring on his left hand. Oh my god! And then the very end, he snatches the bottle of scotch with his left hand and raises it up directly in front of the camera. No ring. No ring. What does it mean, folks? What does it mean? What does it mean? And there are other points in the show where they do that shit, and I love it. I didn't catch Mm -hmm. that. Nice one. Nice job, friend. Um, And then after the cut, we get the final intervention of this episode. (laughs) <laughs> which is Barney in his old man getup, which is that same night. They're yeah. all in the same outfit. So it's like, okay, Barney, you're disgusting and we're done with it. So um, we just get him, you know, mishearing things because <laughs> he's gone. It's like he can't snap himself out of it. Right. He can't break character anymore. So, And that's intervention. Woo-hoo. What did you think of this episode, Caitlin? So fun. It was interesting because while i was watching it taking notes it felt like it took me forever and then i feel like we just recapped that very quickly yeah well it zips by i mean there aren't a ton of like cut 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 it's like mostly in the apartment flashbacks flash forwards so like in the middle it's very it's very very dense like i found that i wrote a lot for the first two scenes and then it was just like bang 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 like just Mm -hmm. kind of ran on its Mm -hmm. own so um yeah action-packed there's a lot happening right we're still they're still all moving they're still all moving so um what was set up last episode we didn't really fall backwards on any of it even though there was a fear of that and now it seems like they're going into the the future with a better with a better feeling about it than they had before I feel like seeing Barney was all of their interventions, you know, like stop being fucking babies and just do it. It was scared straight. Yeah. Another great Mm -hmm. A&E classic show. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your legendary moment? Just the idea of friends having interventions. Yeah. For one another with like shit. They're just like over. Yeah. The intervention, right? That's the biggest one. Just the idea of it. I love. What about you? Well, since you said that one, I will say Marshall's hat and his maneuvering with said hat. I love it. He's just like, oh, so good. Yeah, two awesome weeks. Like, he's like, oh. 
The idea of him taking off the hat has never crossed his mind. And that, I mean, that might be another thing that younger people don't get is how popular those hats were. Not I have a picture of me. Oh no. From no, where you had like from, the big E or six grade, flags. The big E. The big E. The big E. The field trip. Yep. With that from uh, our elementary. Do school. you have that photo available to share on Patreon? Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's on Facebook. I'm finding it right this All right, second. we're going to post Caitlin in the fucking Dr. Susat on our Patreon this week. Um, Baby Caitlin. But yeah, so yeah, that was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Those hats, it was like those hats and the spin doctors. I don't know why I like imagine them together. Maybe they make that reference later in this show. There is a there is a reference to him wearing a hat like that and spin doctors. I read spin doctors it, tickets, but... right? Like that's how he flirted with Lily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. The nineties for some reason, maybe because the cat in the hat came back around. I don't know, but the striped stovepipe really had a moment. So good. I miss the nineties. Oh, so it was so good. Oh man. All right, so let's get into the legendary moments because we got Woo. thirteen of them. First one we have is from Claire. And Claire's legendary moment from this episode is Lily's line, it's a black hole where dreams go to die. Excellent one. I say that a lot in my own life. Our next legendary moment comes from one of our patrons, Johnny. And Johnny writes, hey, K&K, still sick from the last episode, still watching. Hope you're feeling better. Intervention. Good episode. First off, can I say what is up with Robin's outfit? <laughs> Same. Same. That's exactly like the first thing. Soon as the the show started, it was like, oh my god. So glad we're bringing attention to the costuming of the show. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> the one with the yellow shirt and the red sweater it looks like she works for a fast food chain. Yes! yes. Y'all are on the same page. I don't know why, but I had like very specific memories of um don't tell mom the babysitter's dad Mm. and like the fast food chain that she worked at i remember there being like clowns but i don't remember the costume Mm. but interesting anyway back to johnny and his legendary moment johnny says my ledge mo is when barney comes into the apartment in the end and the rest of the gang has an intervention for him about being old i enjoy when he does not hear them correctly keep up the awesome job johnny b yay johnny Thank you. Okay, the next one is from Rick, another one of our patrons. Hi, ladies. Thus, one of the best Hemian runners is born, the Intervention Banner. That's right. I'm a big fan of The Simpsons and Hemian for how they both can start an episode on one premise, but then organically wander into the real heart of the episode. Hemian at its best will do this by weaving events throughout the timeline as well. It makes watching for the first time a whimsical, anything-can-happen experience that I love to do a mind wipe and relive again. Ooh, same. Anyway, my legendary moment is when Ted does an emotional 180 after seeing Barty make out as an old man. The image is so revolting that it's like a splash of cold water on his manic episode. Dude, we are so in tune with our with our listeners today. Um, Love it. It's still got a laugh from me today, even after many rewatches. Oh, yeah. I was like belly laughing at so much of this. And... I think Liz's favorite is Barney. She was fucking dying at all of Barney's shit this episode. Um, P.S. Have you guys ever been such a regular at a bar or establishment that they knew to get you the usual in your usual spot? <sighs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Several times. Um, Several places. During my divorce, um, I drank a lot at one 
bar downtown in our home area. Um, and I actually created a drink. Are you familiar with this drink? The Ray Liotta? Yes, the Ray Liotta. So <laughs> I was the, it was like very late at night and my, my friend was bartending. And um, so I've been drinking this drink that my sister introduced me to all night, a Stolio, orange Stolio and soda. So at the in, toward the end of the night, I started calling them Stoliotas, Stolio and soda. <laughs> and then I was like, yo, give me a Ray Liotta. And she was like, what? I was like, it's a Stolio and soda. Just act like you know what it is. So then that entire year, Just act like you know what it that is. entire year, I would ask for Ray Liotas at the bar and she knew exactly what to make me. And I went to other restaurants and asked for it. And when they asked me what it was, I told them like it was a real drink. So I love it. A handful of waitresses now know what a Ray Liotta is. I love it. a handful. Of yeah, waitresses. but she knew if I I was either getting a Ray Liotta or a loaded sangria. Whenever we went in there, so, and it would be multiple. <laughs> so yeah, how about you? Um. Yeah. No, I definitely have been. We were regulars at the same bar. We have photos on the wall of the same bar. Yeah, well, Chris yeah. does, but not me. I'm not oh, me. I thought you were in it, um, too. Gotcha. No, not me. Gotcha. Um, it was one half of the, there were three couples up that night, mm. and, and it was one half. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely, though. I've been a regular at a couple of bars. Um, it's always exciting. I love being somewhere, and, and restaurants, too. All right, our next legendary moment comes from Sam, and Sam writes, all of the interventions with special mention to Robin for her Dr. Seuss poem (laughs) and her super Canadian movement. I love super Canadian Robin. So freaking good. There was so much good stuff in this episode. So next up is Ben, who is one of our brand new patrons. And Ben says, hey, ladies, greetings from across the pond. Yay. Longtime reader, first time writer and new Patreon patron. My legendary moment for intervention has to be Neil Patrick Harris. He has so many great lines in this episode and, as usual, is absolutely perfect in his delivery. Jason Siegel also has a strong episode for both lines and delivery, so definitely deserves a mention here. I saw that the Solids are planning another concert in a few months. So we'll see if I can manage to procrastinate university work and fly over. Yay! Woo-hoo. Hopefully that would be really cool. Hopefully the event and any HB fam event is 18 plus rather than 21 plus. As I will only be 20 and so would not be able to drink in the US or even get into McGee's. All the best, That's Ben. Goofy. Shit. You can't even get into McGee's? I don't think they were checking IDs. McGee's doesn't, but the Mercury Lounge did. Mm-hmm. But McGee's is a restaurant too. So you can, yeah. Ben, you can definitely get into that. But do you want to fly there if it's going to be a 21 plus? Let's wait and find out. Okay. Because that's that's a lot of money to spend just to come and see our stupid faces. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you so much, Ben. Our next legendary moment comes from another one of our patrons, Matthew. And Matthew writes, Hey, K&K, Intervention features so many fun little moments. The introductions of the Intervention Banner and Glenn McKenna, Yay. more magic, magic tricks from Barney, Ted's pretentious pronunciation, I will always say Encyclopedia, Mosby nonsense, <laughs> but my legendary moment for Intervention has to be the nostalgia-induced meltdown the gang has. 
Ted's freakout starts it. Marshall and Lily build it up, and then Robin brings it over the top. It always makes me laugh, especially thanks to the vocal inflections the gang employs to highlight their panic. Mm-hmm. Also, bonus points because of our 2 sweet tooth. Yeah. As ever, thank you for all you do to make a wonderful podcast. Stay beautiful and awesome. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Yeah. Next up is Ryan, who's another new patron, and he says, Hey, ladies, this is my first time sending in anything since becoming a patron, but there will be many more coming for future episodes. Yay! My legendary moment has to be the entire ending scene when the gang is holding an intervention for Barney's old man gimmick. The lines Barney says, such as, What about the old sand pit? Let it snow, I love that old ditty. And you're sitting, Sam. <laughs> Always crack me up. Keep up the amazing work on this podcast and stay awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Abba's legendary moment is the entire chunk where Barney successfully tricks a girl into sleeping with his younger self and wins the challenge <laughs> that really wasn't ever a that challenge. he set for himself as usual right mm-hmm. next up is our buddy uh tish and tish is one of our patrons tish says hey ladies i love this episode so it was hard to choose but my legendary moment is robin saying i'll give you summer teeth summer here <laughs> summer there side note clearly that women didn't Clearly that woman didn't sleep with Barney because global warming is still happening. Uh, Ted is, <laughs> Damn it, Cindy. Right? Ted is such a douche with his overpronunciation of encyclopedia and renaissance. Regards, Tish. So true. Agreed. Another one of our patrons, Emma, writes, Hello, Kate and Caitlin. I hope I'm not too late, but my legendary moment is the fact that every character has a moment necessary of an intervention. It's nice that they all have each other's back in the sense that they are equally calling each other out for silly Mm -hmm. quirks that need to put an end instead of ganging up on the same character every time. I love how the creative team makes every character take turns getting made fun of throughout the entire series. Cheers. Very true. I agree. Very very balanced. Nobody's like, it's not, you know, always just Barney. Right. That would get one note. Um, Next up is Jeff. And Jeff also likes Robin going super Canadian. You're in good company, buddy. Mm-hmm. Lisa writes, Hi, ladies. I don't even know where to begin on choosing a legmo for this episode. Maybe that is why I'm emailing you so late. I want to get one in because I love this episode so much, but I just can't pick one. I'm literally <laughs> laughing out loud at my computer in my cubicle at work right now. I hope you know that. <laughs> Honestly, it might be Robin at the interventions. The Dr. Seuss hat rhyme for Marshall is genius, and it makes you sound douchey. And not douche <laughs> is hilarious because Ted is such a pretentious douche sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried. Have a great week. <laughs> Good try, Lisa. And last but not least, it's our friend Eric the Pirate. Ooh, and it, ahoy. Ahoy, matey. And Eric says, hello, ladies. Just finished the episode. My legendary moment, hands down, is the moment you think Marshall is talking Ted down from his freak out about moving, but ends up reinforcing it instead. Some small moments are when you find out Marshall is the emotional guy on the phone with Robin. Mar- Marshall's mm-hmm. still the best. Robin rhyming in the first intervention to Marshall. Ted's flail and super Canadian Robin. Love y'all, Eric. That was such a variety. I know. Like there weren't there was like some crossover, of course, but there were so many good little moments. So thank you guys so much for writing in. And thank you. Yeah, we love we're, it. We're, we love it. And uh Thank you so much again to Jessica for for sitting down with us for an interview. Um, 
whenever we know more about what lies west we will share it with you and uh post it all over social media and we hope you will go see it thank you for listening we will see you here in two weeks for dun 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 shelter island Send your legendary moments for Shelter Island to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. If you loved this recap, it is free and easy to leave us a review. You can do it on iTunes or Stitcher now. Yeah. Look how fancy we are. I know. Be sure to subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, as, as I've said, so you never miss a recap. And we hope you'll come back next episode. Because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gorton and Caitlin Turner. Our intro outro music is by Owl All. Hey, beautiful.